listening to White Truck. Welcome to What the Truck. I'm Duder. That's the dude. But hey, welcome everybody. Yeah. Beautiful day. It actually is a beautiful day in Chattanooga. It the sure heart is. of uh, Freight Alley. What a 60s, mid 60s, my friend. What are you doing? Why are you you doing well? I'm doing perfectly well. Beautiful. I'm doing great. Yeah, it's beautiful. beautiful. It's not beautiful in here, though. It's like a meat locker. It's like Rocky punching the meat bags. It is. Happy it is. Hanukkah, by the way. Happy Hanukkah to all of our listeners out there who are celebrating tis the season, right? Yeah. For me, it it's is. getting so close to Christmas. Though. It's getting it. so close to Christmas, I can taste the snowflakes on the tip of my very tongue. <laughs> in fact, I was on Trucking for Millennials yesterday with PDQ. I think the episode's coming out Monday, but I was talking to them. They're like... Man, like when you and dude, when you and the dude do the show, how do you always like have so much energy and seem so into it? And I don't know about for you, but for me, it's cathartic. I don't have to think about any other problems. And also, like I just, I know there's an audience, so I really want to respect their time for being so gracious to take an hour out of their day to watch a couple knuckleheads like us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it is cathartic. It is. Uh... It's therapeutic. Yeah. Uh, and I love what we do. And I love the industry. I've been doing it for 30, well, been in the industry for 34 years. And you get a chance to uh, speak with all the fine folks that are out there and get some information out there and act like a goof with you on, uh, on this show is awesome. So I love it. I absolutely love it. It's so great. I got to ask you something. Then. Yes. So, you know, Lay we both me. worked in operations. I've worked for a brokerage. And this time of year, it can be really, really challenging. First of all, <laughs> yeah. you have everybody who wants their freight. They want it yesterday. They're harassing you. They're bothering you. Meanwhile, you have, uh, you have holiday plans. You want to get out the door. You're working more hours than ever for less money. How do you stay focused? Uh, well, for myself, uh, when I was in operations, was was really the the rest of the the rest of the year was almost like practice. It was leading up to that. Uh, it was a pregame. It was the first three quarters of a football game. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, you, it's now's the time to take all those skills and all that practice, if you will, and really focus on the end game, which is January. Over communicate, plan, make sure things are done. But you really have got to second up. It's the fourth quarter. It feels like the fourth overtime this year, I'm sure, for many people in operations, my friend. But you just got to power down and look for the goal. It sure does. And, you know, it, it's the time of year, too. Just be proactive as well, especially, you know, when you get those difficult customers. Just stay ahead of it. The ones that you know that are going to wake you up in the middle of the night looking for that shipment. Yeah. Um, there's only so much you can do, too. So don't be too hard on yourself. Do the best that you can. You can't control yeah. everyone's emotions, but you can control your own. So keep your head down, hustle, and guess what? The ball's going to drop pretty soon. Yeah, January is coming. Oh, yeah. Zach coming. Strickland told me it was. It's coming. You know what? Some people might have a bad Christmas, though. I know a man in Utah, Will, he received a concrete block inside a PS5 box oh, no. after ordering the system on eBay. I wonder if he did an unboxing video on YouTube. He should have. <laughs> Holy mackerel. That's yeah. not cool at all. Well, let's concrete. tip the band. This Wasn't episode cold. is brought to you by Reliance Partners, the nation's premier commercial insurance agency for the transportation and logistics industry. Focus on your destination. Let us watch your back. Learn more about Reliance Partners. Tell them, dude. Go to ReliancePartners.com immediately after the show and tell Chad to send me that 10 bucks he owes me. All right. <laughs> He's right down the street. Uh, so... Let's get to the headlines right now. It's Friday, DHL Pricing Power Supply Chain Index, and it's one last leg up before the new year, maybe. From uh, the desk of Andrew Cox, this week's DHL Pricing Power Index sits at an 80 favoring the carriers. That's down a little bit from 85 last week. The DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index uses a number of analytics and indices within Sonar to uh, crunch the market down, right? Yeah. Let's break it down for you. Outbound tenders have declined materially since Thanksgiving. Trucking capacity coming a little easier to secure, yet spot rates inched higher this week so there may be a little echo effect there where the spot rates may be down next week we'll have to see but we believe retailer replenishment
punishment strategy could be slowing freight demand. All being said, we still believe the market can have one last leg up. So maybe not on those spot rates. Let's go deeper. Yeah, absolutely. So OTVI, which is the op on tender volume index, right? So it's an index of the, it's an index number. So it's not the actual number of loads, but it's an index number that shows the amount of outbound tenders or tenders live loads by market and throughout the United, you know, at the market as a whole. But it's taken a, a typical seasonal path, right? And it's dropped about 11% since, uh, since Thanksgiving or, or Turkey Day. Uh, and it's a really bit of a more pronounced decline than previous years, but it's still coming off an incredibly high uh, number. And it's, it's not that things are slowing uh, out, out of seasonality or out of what you would think is the norm. It, it is normal seasonal pattern that's going on right now. And, and capacity has become a, a little bit easier to source, mm-hmm. but it's still 25%, almost 25% or one in four loads being rejected. So it's not like it's, it's loose capacity anywhere. There's still upward pressure on those spot rates. By the way, Mark Dalla, he says, great advice. He, he enjoyed the advice that we were giving about uh, oh, what cool. was going on with the system. So tender rejects and spot rates, though, they still have another two weeks to, to climb up, to accelerate, yeah. especially as some drivers start pulling themselves off the road for the holiday season, right? Yeah. Last week, the national spot rate average cracked $3 a mile. And as we said, even though volumes were down, they were up to the spot rate was up to 307 a mile this week. So get the getting, get, get the getting. Well, the getting is good. I think I said that right. Something like that. I tripped get, over get myself a little while bit. while it's good. Yeah. And here, look, if you're in these lanes, you're making big money. So here, here are the most expensive and the cheapest lanes in America. For reefer, we got Syracuse to Hartford, $6.17. And, wow. you know, we were like, whoa, and that was at 545 Yeah, exactly. Now it's 617 Over six bucks. Dallas, LA, still pretty cheap, $1.37. Yeah. Drive in. Sure. Even, and drive in, you go to Eld Ridge, Maryland, to Hartford, five hundred three, and then Dallas to L.A. A buck thirty. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, there's a <laughs> there's huge diversity, and we've talked about that before. You can look at what is going on throughout the entire country, but yeah. uh, the volatility and the changes on in markets on specific lanes is unbelievable right now. Munchen would not have made the $700 million loan to YRC. You guys all heard about that. There was a largely uncontested commission hearing yesterday over the National Security Loan Program. And Steve Munchkin, he's the uh, Treasury Secretary, right? He says that um, $700 million loan made to less than truckload carrier was very risky. And it's one that they would not have made. Facing questions from the Oversight Commission tasked with monitoring the distribution of federal loans established under the CARES Act, Munchkin said he was in encouraged by members of Congress to take losses on loans as a program's intent was to address immediate liquidity critics. Tell me more. Yeah, so referring to his former banking and lending days, uh, Munchen said, if my bank had been underwriting this loan, we would not have made this loan. He said the Treasury had a hard time distinguishing between COVID-related impairments to businesses' uh, 2020 expectations versus something that could be more structural in in nature. Munchen said that he would uh, advise the next Treasury Secretary to sell the YRC loan and liquidate the equity position. He sees a significant profit to taxpayers in, in doing just that. Yeah, you know, Representative French Hill, though, he's a Republican from Arkansas. He was even more damning. Here's a quote from him. He says, the only way that YRC has survived for the last 10 years is through bailouts by the government and private equity industries staying afloat by providing the cheapest pricing. And he's saying, you know, I don't like that they're undercutting the market, charging 18 cents per pound versus the average of its competitors, which is in the mid 20 cent range. 
Yeah, absolutely. I I, I agree with him. Yeah, percent. I mean, hey, this uh, is um, this is this was a year ago, and it, it seems it, in some ways it seems like it was a million years ago, but it also seems like it was just yesterday. Celadon drivers are still pissed though about the collapse of Celadon. That was when nearly four thousand drivers and employees were let go after the company declared bankruptcy. Yeah. Well, many former Celadon drivers and employees have landed on their feet after the carrier's demise. Some decided to leave the industry altogether. And a lot are still stung by the abrupt bankruptcy, Clarissa Hawes reports. Yeah, absolutely. I've never felt so betrayed professionally, Ernest, uh, Ernesto Gonzalez, who worked for the doomed carrier as a recruiter for two years, told Freight Waves. He says, I was told we were trying to turn things around. He still stands behind his comment to Freight Waves last year about the carrier's collapse, the actions of a selfish uh, a selfish few screwed over thousands, Gonzalez said last year. We were in denial that something like this could happen to a carry of Celadon size, he told Freightwaves. I now have my eyes wide open and will do my due diligence to see if there's any financial problems or a criminal element within the company. Ah. Well, it was a long weekend for drivers, right, when that happened. And I was here at Freight Waves when it yeah. was. And I remember when the story broke and we were publishing it. And there was that long weekend where over drivers telecoms, they were being told that, you know, we're not closing down. But we know full well they were closing on Monday. And that's why we reported. I remember we were on radio. We had drivers in calling in, getting live reactions. Um, and it was a tough situation. A lot of them, they were told to fill up their trucks. Fuel carts were being shut off. They were had to bring their trucks back to Celadon facilities. They had to take yeah. all of their possessions, a lot of these over the road road drivers who were carrying everything from microwaves to video game systems to TVs to pets, a lot of a lot of stuff. And yeah. they were told, grab only what you can. Some people had to give dogs away. And they were told to jump on a Greyhound, ironically, having to give your dog away, which you can't bring a dog on. Yeah. They were locked <laughs> out of their facility, stuck in 40-degree weather in the freezing rain. Read that whole story from Clarissa Hawes. It is fascinating stuff. Also, just a quick hit. SoftBank has sold Boston Dynamics to Hyundai for $917 million. Boston Dynamics, if you know, they make those really scary robotic dogs that uh, are definitely nightmare fuel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, hey, we got our first guest with us. It is Eli Soler. He's president of Trucker Inn. He's in Miami, Florida. What's up, my man? Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Oh, wow. Hey, I like that hat. I like that hat you're wearing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, you know, I was looking at some data when I saw you're coming on and we were and Michael Vince and I were jumping in there and we were looking at sonar wait times. Right. Drivers last year were waiting 134 minutes on average inside shippers facilities to unload. This year, it's been a little bit better with 122 minute average. But right now, this past month and a half, it's been going up uh, week over week, day Mm -hmm. over day. And it's getting up to 126 minutes, getting up to 130. I know you've developed a way to help with this. So tell us what Truckered In is. Eli? Yes, sir. Trucker then is a warehouse mobile checking app. So the drivers download the app, the warehouse, uh, create the account, and then within a quarter of a mile, they're able to check in without getting off the truck. So contactless, efficiency, and uh, most important is the, the, the check call less because you don't have to get off anymore and to tell that you are checked in or not because all those push notification goes to all the users of the platform. That sounds interesting. So can you give us a little bit more about how it works? I mean, you download this app. How do you know that it's connected to the warehouse you're going to, et cetera? Okay. So the first, the main guy is the warehouse. He's the one who implements the policy. He can say, for coming to my warehouse, you have to be ready to check in with the app because it's a contactless, a new way to check in, expediting the check-in process. They could have said, you have to come with a security vest. That's their policy. You have to adhere with it. 
So instead of a gate fee now, you have to get uh, an app to check in. And uh, it's one click and you're in, but the most important, the warehouse will create the user, right? And that becomes a beacon using geofencing technology. Now within a quarter of a mile of a warehouse, the drivers are able to check in with one tap on their phone. Well, you know, Eli said this before. He said the innovations in trucking technology have been to regulate truckers, not to solve their problems. And that's been the big problem here, right? Drivers spend hour to hour, an hour and a half just in this check-in process. We outlined it here in the minutes that we're seeing in Sonar. What's the issue here, Eli? And how do we, how do we combat it? And how do we get uh, shippers to take it more seriously? Okay, so we need to call them out. We need to call them out. We need to invest in human capital, okay? Human capital. Why don't we treat drivers as the backbones of the industry? Why is all the industry, hotels, airports, uh, banks, anybody is checking in through an app, even restaurants? Why the trucking industry hasn't innovated? Maybe because of me. I just came in. I need to tell them the high-volume warehouses, need to take advantage of trucker then is contactless, it's efficient. You're, you're checking in up to 30 drivers every three minutes. So if you have 100 drivers per day warehouse, this is what you need. You need to expedite the process. Why do you want multiple layers for the driver to check in? Why do you want him to get to the gate, pre-check-in, and then walk into the shipping or receiving office to make another line for giving the same information. What is your truck number, your trailer number, your phone number, and this is my pickup number, this is my load going from this way to the other one. Plus the safety purpose of it, because it creates transparency. Now the brokers download the app as well, and as soon as the driver checks in, they will really know if the guy is double brokering you low or if it is the right driver at all. So we, we take seriously the transparency in the business. We need to make things smoother. And uh, like I said, we need to create that um, module for all the warehouses. It's time to step up. It's, it's unfair for those multi-million dollars warehouses that they don't have a check-in process, a 2020 uh, check-in process. So everybody's doing what we've done. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you come at it from the, from the uh, perspective of uh, helping those drivers and treating them like the backbone of our economy that they are and the heroes that they really are, especially during this year, maybe a little cowbell for them because they're awesome. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, yeah, there give it go. to them. Give it to them. But the, 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 the beneficiaries of that are not just the truckers. It is the beneficiaries are also the, the shippers in those warehouses creating a much more uh, efficient uh, and, and reducing costs uh, in, in their processes and their operations as well. And I understand that uh, Truckered In has a, uh, it's a patent pending system and a method for monitoring the shipping process and the personnel. So can you talk to a little bit about that, about the data behind this and how it can be used by those shippers and those warehouses? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm telling you, the, between a, a truck driver passes the gate, parks, gets off the truck, walks to the building, make the other line, and finish the actual check-in. So just... Ask the question, what is a check-in? Check-in is given the information to get the shipment or deliver the shipment. Truck number, trailer number, your phone number, your company name, and who's the broker on the load for some safety issues. If we have everything pre-created in your platform, only one click, all the info is there. You can chat the driver and you can accommodate your shipment. Most of the warehouse 
was also after the driver checks in is when they pull the load from the back of the warehouse to the dock. So if you take 20 minutes, 30 minutes to actually be checked in, after that is when the warehouse is going to start working on pulling that load to the dock to load you up. So, and now we live in a COVID world. How, how better now that, that we have the contactless checking process? We need to, we need to do it. It's, it's saving ton of time. If you're the driver and it's snowing up there, would you imagine in your cozy truck, you put yourself off duty, you just checked in. If not, it's illegal for you. You have to keep yourself on duty. Hence, your clock hours keep running and you still have to walk to the building. All that hours you could have been sleeping in your bed waiting for a door. It's common sense. We just need to tell them, everybody, that is, this technology exists. And if right now we have a freemium to the warehouse, so they don't even have to pay us. It's freemium for them until we get some volumes and the driver one-time download. We even pay tolls for convenience. I will stay in my truck, pull myself off duty, and I'm checked in. And they will let me know with a push notification when the door is available for me. Would you imagine at 3 a.m. somebody knocking on the, my truck's door, uh, go to door number seven. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sleeping. What door do you say, sir? Man, I have it on my phone. You just send me a push notification. I go there, you upload the bill of lading, and I sign it electronically. How about that? How about I text you through the app saying, go to pick up your paperwork at the gate. And then everybody knows when the driver actually checked in, actually gets a door. How about us, the drivers, when we want to collect some detention? There is the proof that I was there forever. You thought that I was loaded, but I, was, I didn't have the paper in my hand. I still was there losing the time. Not losing, investing my short time of the day to work and produce. I should have been in a truck stop already if you send me the, the bill of lady. It's crazy. I'm, I'm not even talking about the fact that they don't want to go paperless at all, right? So I'm, I'm keeping that even optional. Let's stay with the paper. I know you loved it. Let's keep it doing. But why do I have to go to the warehouse to tell you where I'm coming from? Why don't I go one time and I save you the whole day? How about the traffic on the warehouse? Why don't you as a big warehouse say this lot right now, right here, is going to be the parking lot for check-in? So you don't see trucks coming in and out, drivers coming in and out. How about the liability? So the driver that is driving, pulling in, is the actual that gets the door. Man, if you go to a hotel and you get this app, you don't have to pass through the lobby. You go straight to the room and open the door with the phone. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Come on. We're in 2020. It's not like this... Eli, it's not like this check-in process, like a Norman Rockwell painting either, where, you know, you're coming, hey, everyone's shaking hands and how's a great day. It's actually a stressful experience and nobody seems to like it. So how do we get, how do, where do people go to sign up? We're just about out of time. www.truckerdin.com. The warehouse is the main guy. The warehouse signs up for free right now. And now he starts using it. With less than an hour, his, his simple, simple self-explanatory tutorial videos are right there. As soon as you got that, Sign up. You just tell the brokers and the carriers, hey, every truck that comes in, I will give them the, the best check-in process as possible. I want them to come in and come out digitally. So I don't want them in my check-in office anymore. Eli, thank you so much for your time today. Happy holidays, my man. Enjoy that Miami thank swagger. You so talk to you both. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take it thank easy. you, Eli. Hey, speaking of swagger, what about these shirts, man? Yeah, what about these, these sweet what? truck shirts? What about these yeah, things? Yeah. What about this? 
What about this right here? Yeah. What do you think of that? Get you some of that. What do you think of that right there? You go to swag.freightwaves.com and you get yourself some of this. Yeah, that's right. For Christmas. Give the gift of what the truck this holiday season. <laughs> that's what I say. You know what? If you've been by a Christmas tree lot lately, you might have noticed they're a little barren. They're a little desolate. Yeah. Talking about logistics of Christmas trees right now with Tracy Taylor. She's vice president, Stone Mountain Tree Farms in beautiful Trade, Tennessee, right on that North Carolina border. They run a big old tree farm out there. Tracy, thanks for joining us on the show. We have 14 different farms. We're in North Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. Um, we ship out of Trade, Tennessee. Um, that's our main hub. Um, uh, the freight is community. I call it a community because I love all of our drivers. Um, I couldn't do my job without you and all of you. Um, and people need to know that. <laughs> it, it's extremely important um, that you all are there for us and we're here for you and we work together. Um, we have one of these weird products that can't wait a week or two because um, Santa's coming. And if I don't get it where it needs to go on time, I did a year's worth of work um, for nothing. So when we work together um, tight, tight knit, and communication to me is everything. I know we have drivers that'll call me and say, Tracy, I'm six hours away. I'm going to work with you. Thank you for the phone call. I can't load you at night, but I know you're still coming. When we don't get a phone call, ugh, problem, problem. Yeah. So communication in my business with your business, trucking, is key. Um, Rand Mill Transportation does a huge percentage of our freight. Um, we also have other companies that send their own trucks. You probably know Ingrid Brown. Oh, yeah. Very oh, dear yeah. friend. She actually grew up and went to school with my husband, so she's a dear oh. friend of ours. Um, and she used to haul a lot of trees for us. Unfortunately, she did not this year. But... Um, it's important we're on time, both of us, that when 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 a truck is coming to me, I need to be ready. My my freight needs to be ready to go. And the truck needs to get there on time. And that's goes back to again my statement of communication. It absolutely does, but it also comes from a, uh, a really a true uh, an attitude of partnership uh, to make sure that you're ready for that truck driver as well, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they appreciate Amen. that and they communicate with you well since you're doing the same things for them, showing them that respect, right? Amen. Amen. If your truck is sitting on my lot, you're not making any money. If my trees are sitting on my lot and my guys are standing around, I'm not making any money. Yeah. So when we communicate, and I know exactly when that truck is coming, and, you know, we ship in winter. That's, I mean, I ship Christmas trees. Weather can be a crazy factor. So we try super hard to want that driver's number. So I want him to be, or her, to be safe. And we also want to get him in and out as fast as possible. Um, because, again, if you're holding up my load and fertility, that's not good. And if I'm holding a driver up, that's wrong. It's just morally wrong. Um, I, I hate when I get a phone call from somebody that's supposed to be to me at a certain time and uh, they call and say, they haven't even touched my truck. Oh, it's so wrong. Um, it, it's disrespectful. Um, we, we try super, super hard to, when I know a truck is coming, 
I want you in and out as fast as I can. Yeah, um, Tracy. Tracy, let, let, let me ask you something here. Um, we've been we've been seeing reports that there's a national Christmas tree shortage. Has demand been way up for you? Was there a lower yield at your farm? I know some of these shortages are from like the Pacific Northwest with droughts and fires and those kind of things. But what do things look like down on the farm for you? Um, we. We had a shortage because the demand was so high. There's a demand for a lot of reasons. We had a lot of farms that went out of business, um, and we're a dying breed. There aren't other folks replanting and taking over these farms. They're just clear-cutting them and building homes. So the few of us that are left holding the bag, so to speak, which, um, you know, we've been in this for a while, and there's some other farms been in longer than us, of course. But, um, yes, the demand is still extremely great, um, uh, extremely great. But uh, there's a lot of different reasons for that shortage. I don't see a problem with um, millions of trees leaving North Carolina again last year. We're the number two producer in the nation, um, North Carolina. So I don't see that being a problem again as of us getting our numbers up um, at all. Um, I don't because most of us who have been in this for so long, you know, you up your ante each year. You don't way over plant, but you, you plant knowing you're going to have an increase and knowing these other farms are out. We have to kind of take up the slack for that as well, which has been expensive because it's more labor, um, you know, more housing. We have all H2A employees. Um, but at the same time, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> So, so Tracy, let's Tracy, let's pull the tinsel and the ornaments off the tree here a little bit and give us a little bit of insight. What's what what would surprise uh, most people about the Christmas tree business? Surprise, as in um, how something many about it. The, yeah, the Those? operations, anything. Yeah, um, just in general about running Christmas trees. Right. What would the general public not know that would right. surprise them? They would not know how long it took to actually grow a Christmas tree. Um, they wouldn't. The, the The story out there is seven to eight years. Well, that tree is five years old before it goes into the field. And that only produces like a seven to eight foot tree. Um, so if you're buying a nine foot tree, I hope you pray on it because I've grown it for a really long time. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it takes a lot of care. It takes a lot of care. And it's not just... Everybody always wants to think about chemicals. It's not about chemicals. It's about shearing. It's about mowing. It's about weed eating. It's about general care. The the lease of the land, if you don't owe the land, you have to lease the property. Um, it, the equipment it takes to, to, to grow that beautiful tree um, is kind of shocking when people come to our farm. We also do a choose and cut, and I love that part. Because you get to show them some of this stuff, and that's um, that's interesting for a lot of um, uh, folks that have no idea what goes into being a farmer. Hey, let me ask you. I'm curious. What is the most popular type of tree that you sell, and what is the most popular height? I just got an eight and a half foot tree this year. I got one of them skinny, skinny type of trees. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I, I love it. And um, you know, my ceiling allows for it. But I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious for you, Tracy. What what is the most popular type of tree you sell in height? Fraser fir is the most popular tree. We call that the Cadillac of all trees because it has that beautiful needle retention, great smell. 
Um, it's it's user friendly, as in if you're decorating and it's so the needles are still soft, but the branches are strong. And your pro our, our most popular is between a seven, a six to seven, seven to eight is definitely your most popular tree. Because most homes, if you have an eight foot ceiling, you have a, a bottom, you know, you have your stand, and then you have a topper. So. Um, a lot of other folks, uh, newer generation, have higher ceilings, so they can handle a, an eight-foot-plus tree, but probably between six to nine are definitely the most popular. Yeah. Definitely. You, you ever find any surprises in the trees? Like, do you remember that one with the owl? There was the owl in the Rockefeller Center <laughs> yeah. Christmas tree. Did you hear that well, story? The, the squirrel in the Griswolds. The, the little owl, yeah. <laughs> a squirrel in the Griswolds. I, I have not found an animal in one of my trees yet. Okay, well, we hope we don't ship any animals anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I let you go, what is the furthest your Christmas trees travel in your distribution network? Uh, we do the entire East Coast, um, and then we go as far as Colorado. Oh, wow. Wow, okay. Wow, that's a long trip. Well, hey, thank you very much, Tracy. Uh, happy holidays to you, but if people who want to uh, maybe get in touch with you, talk to Stone Mountain Farms, how do they, how, where do they go? They could um, they, they can go to either our Facebook page, which is Stone Mountain Farms, um, which is pretty simple, or they can always email me, ttaylor at gmail, um, ttaylor204 at gmail.com. Thank you. Happy holidays. And by the way, Ingrid Brown's going to be on radio with me tomorrow, so I will tell her that you said hello. Yes. I just texted her a little while ago. I love that girl. Thank you all so much. <laughs> Take it for easy. Asking our industry. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Wow. Wonderful stuff. We got an eight and a half foot tree this year for the first time. Yeah. We're sure it's going to fit, but we got these in my apartment. We got these, we got pretty big ceilings. So we took yeah. advantage of it, but also it's nice because it's thin. So it doesn't take up a ton of service area. Cause again, we're, you know, kind of limited on space yeah, in the yeah, apartment. Sure. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We're going to talk about something now too. You, you know, the Grinch who stole Christmas. What about the Grinch who stole your freight? We got Scott Cornelli's <laughs> transportation lead and crime and theft specialist at Travels Insurance dialing. Coming in out of Peoria, Arizona. He'll be up in just a minute here. Yeah. Um, you know what I was thinking? Yeah. All right. Eli. We had Eli on. Then we had uh, uh, Tracy on. Do you remember Samantha from Dialer? Yeah. Imagine if you had Eli, Samantha, and Tracy uh, on your management team running your country, your company. Wow. Do you talk about some passion and intense, energy? Passionate people. I mean, Samantha was the most intense, passionate, loved her job person that I ever met. Oh, and yeah. She had sound effects with the unbelievable. unrelenting shake test. Yeah. All right. Now it's time to talk about some stolen cargo. We got Scott Cornell. He is here with us now for uh, Transportation Lead and Crime Theft Specialist Travelers Insurance out of Peoria, Arizona. Scott, thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing, uh, we're doing really well. You know, we're gearing up to the close of the year. We got a big holiday special coming up on Monday. We're excited to talk to you now because you got an important subject. You want to talk about what items are most targeted by cargo thieves over the holidays. This is a meaty one, so let's get into it. All right. Well, I wouldn't mind talking about the squirrel and the Griswold tree, though. That's a great uh, memory. <laughs> that was a great, uh, great movie moment there. Was that considered theft? <laughs> <laughs> It could be, yeah, it could be. <laughs> That's Scott, you haven't found anything in a Christmas tree, have you? I have not. <laughs> yeah, I have not, but you're making me nervous. It could happen. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna double check anything very closely before I bring it home. <laughs> yeah, you better. Yeah. You better. So, Scott, what's what's up in the world of stolen cargo? What are the thieves looking for this year? <clears throat> 
Well, you know, as you might imagine, electronics become one of the top targets this time of year. You know, we, we, we did see a slight bump for November uh, versus October. This whole fourth quarter, we tend to see a slight, you know, a, a bit of a bump in, in uh, electronics being targeted. You know, as an example, you're going to have new video game consoles that have been released recently. You're going to see, you know, tablets, computers, TVs, all that stuff. Um, you know, but remember, food, food and beverage uh, have overshadowed electronics for, you know, roughly the last decade or so. But in that fourth quarter, we do see electronics get that bump. We can't say for sure, you know, what's going to end up being first. I can't predict, but you know, what we're seeing right now is what we normally see for, the, for this time of year. Hmm. You know, so more importantly, uh, you know, part of the question for that is why are these types of goods targeted this time of year. And, and you know, you guys, uh, we've talked previously, and we know that the number one cardinal rule is thieves are going to steal what they know they can sell. Um, you know, during economic downturns, things like that, they tend to, people tend to go back to the basics, right? And so that's why we saw in 2010, food and beverage took over that number one spot. And it's really held that spot pretty well. Since then, it's, it's remained that way ever since, partly out of necessity, partly uh, because they know that it's hard to trace that. The, the, you know, we've talked about this, right? That the evidence disappears, it's consumed, it spoils, whatever. Um, household goods and building materials typically fall right behind food and beverage. We've seen a bump in that. You know, this year is a big year for storms and what we call catastrophic events, severe weather, hurricanes, tornadoes, wildfires. And unfortunately, the thieves don't really care that it, you know, it's the worst time in people's uh, lives and they're going through a hard time. They just see it as an opportunity to steal the things that those people are going to need and take advantage of that situation. Yeah, so you talked about the fourth quarter bump, and I'm interested, has there been any uh, big thefts so far this year? What have you seen? Any major heists going on out there? Yeah, the fourth quarter bump, you know, the term we use to describe that increase that we usually see in that fourth quarter. We know that the Christmas cargo will start to move, you know, August, September, and they start to get it to the distribution centers. So just last week, CargoNet reported a theft uh, of a tractor and trailer containing gaming monitors, right? Goes to what we just talked about, and that was in California on its way to Ohio. Uh, and then they reported a similar theft just a week or two before in the same area containing laptops and other gaming accessories. So again, while this year has brought a lot of change, we all have seen what that change is, you know, from one thing to another. With cargo, it's you know, looks like it's the same old story for cargo theft for this time of year, but only time's going to tell. You know, we'll be able to look back at the fourth quarter numbers and verify all that. Wow. Uh, what other effects of COVID-19 might we see on cargo theft this holiday season? It's interesting. The, the sheer volume of online shopping right now is, is going to make some changes, and it'll be interesting to see how those changes come out. Uh, you know, because of covid We've certainly seen that volume increase. And so when you know, when the goods are ordered online and they're shipped out for delivery, we all think of those small vans and trucks that bring the boxes to our front door, right? I, I probably do way too much of that kind of shopping right now. And But when, it, when they're coming, you know, when you think of those vans or you think of those trucks, in a lot of areas, the drivers really never leave sight of those trucks, right? I mean, uh, you know, if, if they're delivering to my house, 
they're never 15, more than 15 feet away from their truck or their van. So you're really not going to see a lot of opportunity for theft there. However, when you get into scenarios where they do have to leave the line of sight of the van or the truck, you know, if they go to a condo complex or an apartment complex and maybe they have to park in a common parking area and walk in or leave the view of that truck, now you're you're in a different scenario and you have that opportunity for theft. So you may see, we may see some increase in that, but also because of that sheer volume of online shopping, you're seeing more and more cargo or higher volumes of cargo move to those distribution centers where those orders come from, right? So since most cargo theft happens on that over the road, whether it's pilferage or whether it's full truckload theft, there's going to be more volume there for that to happen this year. So it'll be, you know, we've seen cargo theft increase this year. That's that's part of the COVID impact. Uh, so we've seen some severe jumps. We've seen Texas really jump out into the forefront, uh, you know, keeping a close race with California, which is usually number one. So it'll be interesting to see what the end of the year impact is on that. There's actually a chance that for the first time, and as long as I've been doing this, that Texas actually takes over that number one cargo theft spot over California. And, you know, what what part of that is due to everything that's going on, we don't really know yet. But it's interesting to watch all this play out right now. Yeah, no, it definitely is, Scott. I mean, hey, thank you for addressing this really serious topic with us. Uh, yeah. And it all makes sense, kind of what you laid out here, especially in what these are targeting. If people want some coverage out of travelers, they want to talk to you guys more, where should we send them to? Yeah, so I, I got the website smoothed out, uh, actually, uh, you know, making it easier. So it's travelers.com slash transportation resources. We have a lot of good resources on there, a lot of good information, uh, and, and and it's a really good place to go and get a lot of different details and, and stats. Well, Scott, Excellent. thank you very much for your time today. Happy holidays. We really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again next year. Absolutely. You guys have great holidays and, and check out your Christmas tree before you bring it home. Yeah, <laughs> you got that right. You know, what's funny. Rhonda says she was, she said, Oh my God, uh, I watched the launch of the squirrel scene last night. Um, Tom Curie, <laughs> the launch of the squirrel, Tom Curie, which by the way, by the way, a very, very what the truck holiday special. Oh yeah. Monday the 14th. Tom Curry, that fine gentleman, that merry gentleman. He wrote a song for us on what the truck. He wrote a song for all of you, the audience, and it's going to be fantastic. We're going to play it during the show. It's going to be super, super fun on Monday. It's going to be the most festive show in freight. I guarantee it because I won't let it not be. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I won't let you down. Don't let me down. I promise. Don't I let me down. I will not. Don't let me down. I'll it's a good time, though. You know, uh, but Tom Curry, he also says he remembers shipping Guitar Hero back in the day, and the boxes and discs, he had, to, he had to sell them separately, and the guitars separately, because there was so much demand for Guitar Hero, people trying to pilfer Oh, that really? Stuff. So they figured if they separate them, then they couldn't, they wouldn't want them as much? Or I guess so. It's like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do without the guitar, without the disc? Or they're like kittens. You can't tear them apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a couple Siamese cats? Yeah. Did they have sign on the door? This driver does not have the discs. <laughs> we, we got a, yeah, he's only got 25 bucks on him. We got, yeah. we got Amanda Poole now. She's director of operations at DMX Logistics over in lovely Exeter, New Hampshire. They have some nice uh, Christmas trees up that way. Hey, Amanda, thanks for joining us on What the Truck. Hey, guys. How you doing? Now, the last time I saw you, Amanda, was maybe like five years ago, six years ago, when you used to work at at uh, WellPet. I went in there on oh, a okay. sales call, and um, 
I, I met Amanda. She's outlining her freight. And one of the things that struck me at the time was that she clearly had a background in freight and logistics and shipping. And you don't experience it that often when you're going on uh, sales calls. Amanda, tell us a little bit about your background and what you're up to now. Yeah, so I worked uh, in the, on the brokerage side for about nine years with a company called WTG Logistics, no longer around. And then the Wellpad opportunity presented itself. So I went over there, checked that out. It's pretty great. I learned a ton of stuff about supply chain that I didn't really know existed, you know, from packaging specifications to, you know, a bunch of stuff. And then I'm back now at DMX Logistics, um, just doing what I do. Broker, broker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the reasons this conversation came up as, uh, you know, my TEDx, I, I, yeah. I put that out there, is talking about a journey of um, alcoholism, recovery, yeah. finding that through podcasting, going to rehab, all of those kind of things. If you want to check it out, just Google like Dooner, uh, TEDx, or maybe I'll put a link in the show notes. But Amanda and a lot of people in the industry have reached out to me. And I know that this is December, you know, suicides go up, mental health can be bad for a mm -hmm. lot of people. And Amanda, you reached out and said that this, this story really resonated with you. Why was that? Yeah, so when I saw it, I was surprised because when I met you, I think it was in the, you were in the midst of your troubles and obviously I had no idea and I was newly sober at that time. So just celebrated, well, eight years in June. So oh, wow. nine years in June oh. coming up. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> thank you. And I think, so obviously in every industry it's tough, but in this industry, it's like a dog eat dog world. So you have to really find space to like figure out, you know, how to help serve yourself and keep sobriety. I always tell people that if you knew what it was like on the other side, you know, if I could tell people what it's like to be on the other side of the, the trouble, then, you know, you would never want to go back. Yeah. Michael, have you been a lot of places where if yeah. you had a struggle with mental health or addiction or mm -hmm. something, it would be easy to go and get some help with that? Have I been to places? Have where you worked with at, at a lot of places in logistics where where it would be easy to yeah. go get that? Uh, not that I know of. No, yeah, it's tough, no, right? it's, it's tough. And it and the other thing is is the uh, uh, the the kind of shame that's kind of sure. on it, right? And people don't realize the disease that is there, and it's an extremely real. And yeah, I've had some friends that have lost themselves. Uh, I've lost to alcoholism and drugs. Yeah, it's, it's uh, tough, right? There's a stigma, and there's, a, there's almost there, a machismo that is like, once you feel like you come out with that kind of yes. information, people know about it, you're a marked man. I'll tell you something, though. If you're open and honest with people and you have, you know, have good friends, uh, yeah. a lot of people actually, when you do, they're, they're relieved about that bravery that you came forward because they, they find a conduit to start sharing about their own journey and they feel empowered. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Amanda, um, how, how, how did you feel in the industry getting... Um, getting help with your, with, with, with alcoholism and all of those things. How did that road go for you and how are you doing now? Yeah. So I think it was more like a self journey. There wasn't really anybody I, I did. I tried like the meetings and stuff, but it didn't really work for me uh, personally. So I just do like monthly therapy and then, you know, whatever, but um, it's, it's much easier as time goes by. In the beginning, it was difficult because you try not to like silo the stresses of, you know, life, a job, you know, losing business, gaining business, how are we going to cover the freight, you know, all, all the things, you know, you have to really face them, you know, right there. There's nothing numbing it anymore. So I think now it's like, it isn't even an option. So I don't really think about it at all anymore. Um, and I always encourage people that if they're thinking about becoming sober or, you know, struggling in any way that I would be more than happy to have a conversation and see if there's just something that can stick and maybe help um, make that step. 
Yeah, you know, I, I imagine something like that can be inspiring, especially if, you know, leadership has a similar struggle. So I guess my follow-up question was, at DMX, um, have you made it sort of, I, I kind of hate the term safe space, but have you made it kind of a safe space for someone who may be coming with those struggles to know that there's uh, maybe an open avenue to get help? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, all my employees, I'm pretty, I'm an open book. You know, I everybody here, they're my friends on a personal level. And um, they know that if they need anything, I would be more than happy to help. And, you know, it doesn't have to be me, just open door policy within the whole company is kind of our, our theme, you know. Trying to do logistics a little differently. I know it's funny, but with like the culture that we were trying to create, just uh, open door policy, bring me your idea. I want to know what you're doing, what you think. They're the ones out there operating on the floor. So, yeah. Definitely. That's excellent. It's excellent stuff. I mean, my my question, I, I, I guess, is this it may, may be a little bit of a personal question, I guess. But you, you mentioned the you know, it's not an option anymore. There's that uh, the numbness that you can get from it. Right. And that's yeah. not the option. So are you are you you find yourself being much more uh, um, carefree? I mean, how do you reduce that stress? Uh, I, I, I don't know about it for you, Amanda, but for me, I've channeled a lot of that addicted energy. Like I talked about in the TED talks to, to work and to podcasting, you know, I'm still an aholic. Now it's to work maybe instead of alcohol or to, you know, video games or, or, or with my kids. But I mean, I get, I get very addicted and impassioned to things, but it's just, you have to choose the positive ones instead. And that's, what's worked for me. Not really meetings. Like Amanda said, Amanda, what, what has your strategy been? So I do like monthly therapy. I try to meditate, not all the time, but I, you know, I'm practicing getting better about that. You know, the last couple of weeks, I've actually been finding myself at the beach a lot, just alone with headphones in, sitting there, walking around, you know, just taking in the sounds of the ocean. Um, it, it just, it, you know, it's like the ebb and flow of life. What, what works for me today might not work tomorrow, but just knowing that you hold space for it and that it's okay to be, you know, Today might be crazy. We work in a crazy industry. It's okay, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to go home and want to slam some beers or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And Amanda, look, there's a lot of support in the comments too. Yeah. People are saying really thank you for this conversation. And I was so happy when you reached out because that that was sort of, I mean, some, hearing someone else that I respected that I used to work with talk about their own troubles openly is what encouraged me ultimately when I needed to get help. And that's why I felt compelled to have to give back. And, and I love that you reached out to me and were like, you know what, I'm, I'm okay with telling my story, especially this time of year where there's a lot of stressors on people. And I think that this holiday season may be more difficult than previous ones where people also have to contend with the, the quandary of do they travel due to COVID? They may have not seen family over Thanksgiving. They might also not be seeing them over Christmas. And these are some long times people have been in isolation. And that, uh, that's when the devil does a lot of his work. Yeah, the isolation definitely is. It's been huge for even me. I mean, I, it's not like I was out hanging out with tons of people anyway, but it's just because it's like you feel like you're doing something illegal if you, you know, God forbid, want to hang out with a friend outside or, you know, just definitely. You know, one of the things, and, and I, I, I do have to say this, in 2009 when I was at FedEx Trade Networks, I sought help the first time. But I went into my approach with it the completely wrong way. I said if I could go 90 days without drinking, I don't have a problem. Uh, that was my problem because I have a problem. It's a lifelong problem. It's an incurable disease, and I accept that yeah. now. And I learned that going through rehab the, the next time. But FedEx was really, really good. I got I to gotta give them credit. FedEx was really good. They, um, they Obviously, my insurance paid for rehab. They didn't say anything about being gone. I told people I was on, like, Survivor. You know, that's why I was gone for a month. <laughs> well, you know, they did probably. In a sense, like, you were, right? <laughs> I was like, I want Survivor. I got cut during, uh, before we even filmed, though. <laughs> 
Amanda, so um, you know, now now you're on this 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 great road, this great road, to, and it never ends, right? It's it's a it's a struggle every day, and I think that's the that you have to be honest with people too when you go and seek help. And I wasn't honest with myself in 2009. Thankfully, I was in 2016, and it it's a reminder. It's something you have to live with. It's like being a werewolf. You know, you got to avoid the full moon. Yep. Yeah. So I got to ask you, like, now that you're good now, though, um, what what are you looking forward to? What what have been what have been some wins this year for you at DMX aside from uh, you know sobriety, which is a, obviously a great one? Yeah, um, we've we've hired some really great operators. We have some good programs coming in. We just bought a software for an LTL program where customers can log in and check our rates. You know, just to compare, it makes it easier when you don't have the pressure of speaking to somebody on the other end of the phone. Like, hey, is your rate good? They can just log in and check it out themselves. It's big. For us, we have a bunch of new national accounts coming on board soon. Um, you know, I have the role of director of ops, but all of the senior management team here, we really do everything, right? It's just we're trying to grow a company. So, so yeah, th- those are big, exciting things for sure. Personal life, trying to buy a bunch of land and move out into the middle of nowhere in the woods and oh, wow. start, you know, cutting down trees and stuff. <laughs> oh, maybe a Christmas tree farm, maybe? Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> we need them. Well, you know what <laughs> This has been a, this has been a, a a positive but serious conversation. So you know this is what the truck. So we got to add some levity. So let's spin yeah, the wheel before we let you go. We'll spin the wheel of stupid okay. questions, and we'll see what we come up with here. Round and round All it right. goes. Where it lands, nobody knows except for me. And that question would be: What would be the worst thing to stick in a Christmas stocking? Hmm. Dog poop. Oh yeah, that's yeah. pretty bad. That'd be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Mouse trap. Yeah. I'm- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, soup. Yeah, a Black Widow spider. (laughs) Just loose soup. Uh, Someone's tissue who has COVID, you know, those would all be bad things that you would not want to find. It was like for Halloween, they had the, when you were a kid, the jars that you stuck your hand in to see, like, hamburger with the brains. Do yeah. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, we'll give you one more. That was that was a good answer with the dog poop. So we're going to yeah. do one more with you. Round and round it goes. Where it lands, nobody knows. All right, here's a good one. You switched careers, right? You haven't moved out to the woods, but you've switched careers, and now you work at a theme park as part of the cast. What character would you dress up as? Mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Oh, I like it. Yeah. What about you, Michael? Everyone Vincent? likes bear hugs. I'd dress up as George Abernathy, the proud president of Freightways. Yeah, well, I, I bet he owns some Mickey Mouse ears. I bet he does. I bet he owns a pair, too. He's going to be um, he's going to have a great holiday message for you on our uh, holiday special. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. very What the Truck holiday special. It's going to be amazing. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Amanda, if we want to send people... Oh, by the way, I would be Kylo Ren, because I need to have a lightsaber. Uh, I'd like to have a mask and, like, a suit on, too, though. So I would be Kylo Ren from Star Wars. Or Darth Vader. Yeah. Either, either or. Um... By the way, so where do people go to learn more about DMX and maybe to connect with you, Amanda? Uh, DMXLogistics.net, and then my email is apool, P-O-O-L-E, at DMXLogistics.net. Thank you very much Excellent. for your time today. Happy holidays, and one more time, a little, a little cowbell for you in that uh, sobriety. We appreciate you sharing, Thank being you brave enough to share that story with this audience. Take care. Thanks. Take it easy. Thank you, man. Wow. You know, this this is that time of year too, and like we we brought up with that that isolation, everything. Yeah, absolutely. some of these difficult conversations you have to have, and you you have to create opportunity for people who are struggling and who are in a bad place, especially when they feel like they don't have any allies, and they're most alone and most self destructive. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, finding that that meditation time, etc. Yeah, I I have the outlet of my guitars and my in in. Music. I'm not that good, but I, I have fun doing it. And I can spend hours doing it. If I yeah. didn't have that, 
where would I release that energy? It, and that's the thing. You can, you you can outlet it in the worst of ways. So you can. Just be you cautious. You absolutely and, can. You know, and this year, too, to those, I'm not going to preach to you, but this is a year where we see reports about a lot of people drinking in isolation. So if you find yourself, when you start waking up and pouring the vodka in the coffee. That's a problem. Yeah, you got to start talking to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it's All right, here's some good news, bad news. Good news, bad news. Some analysts say that the Tesla Semi is a distraction. Can you believe that? No. They said, uh, they said that Tesla should drop or spin off its Semi efforts to someone else. That was Michael Ramsey. He's the vice president president and automotive analyst at Gardner. He said it's uh, a different business and it's a distraction. He doesn't like it at all. That assessment was echoed by Sam Elbowsmade. He's a research analyst, uh, and he basically said the same thing. He said semi is a distraction for freightways. But here's the good news. I don't agree with them, and neither does this other smart person. This uh, <laughs> Who is it over here? <laughs> the uh, University of Michigan, right? It's Anna Stefanopoulou. She's the, the uh, director of Energy Institute and professor of manufacturing at the University of Michigan, and she feels like I do, that the Tesla semi also acts as R&D for their battery technology, and it caused them to push it to the limits. So I don't think Tesla cares that it's not in the market. I don't think the stock market no. cares that it's not out on the market. So I don't see how you can really look at Tesla, you can look at Elon Musk, and all of a sudden go, this is a distraction. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. It's almost a purposeful distraction there yeah. because of the R&D and the, and the push forward and the demand, right? Like, like with yeah. NASA. I mean, we talk about NASA at Space Waves. By the way, go to FreightCast. Every one of those, fr- those Space Wave sessions is oh, back yeah. up now for your listening pleasure. We had that great Q&A with, with Mark uh, Weiss, by the way, oh, and, yeah. uh, and, and the team over there at NASA. But, mm-hmm. uh, 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 you know, what, what was that? <laughs> shoot, for, shoot for the stars and maybe you'll land on the moon, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So shoot for exactly. the semi and maybe you may have battery, better battery technology in my Cybertruck or in the Model 3 or in whatever. Yeah, shoot the Badger and you'll, no, yeah. that's the wrong one. I know, someone, <laughs> someone here did equate it to the Badger and I'm like, this yeah, is no, nothing no, like the Badger. No, it's nothing like the Badger. Nothing. We don't need no stinking Badgers. Yes. I got some bad news. Okay. An ice missile that came off a box truck struck a passenger car in Londonderry, New Hampshire. Maybe near Exeter. I'm not sure where Exeter is. Londonderry. Okay, so do you know Stephen King at all? Yeah. London, well, not personally. So in yes. New Hampshire, there's London, there's Derry, and there's London Derry, and they're all right next to each other. And Stephen King, like It, for example, yeah. they, they, take, they always take place in like London and, and Derry. Oh, okay. that's where he's from. Gotcha. All right. So this ice missile comes off a box truck and it hits a car doing significant damage. I think oh. we got a picture. We got a picture yeah. of it right there. Look at check that out. If you're driving that thing, I'm sure you're changing your underwear right now. The, so, but the driver survived. And if uh, not a bit worse for wear, right? Eye, yeah. eye damage uh, and glass in the eye. 22 wow. year old suffered a laceration to his face. And allegedly uh, that's the good news is he survived <laughs> that missile coming through doing that kind of wow. damage to it. Uh, and, you know, should be okay. But the important thing, the moral. Yeah. Man, clean the ice off of your vehicle. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I grew up in the Sun Belt or in the Snow Belt and driving down the road this time of year and throughout the winter, you just see those sheets start flying off the back oh. of those trucks and cars. Oh, it happens all the time dangerous. on like 93 and 95 when I was living out in the Boston area, like yeah. when there's not too much traffic to drive. And those things do come at you fast. And, they, oh, you know, yeah. they, they, kill, they kill your visibility. And there's so many jerks out there who just like, they wipe like an eye hole, you know, they, like, yeah. they just, like a yeah. little rectangle to look through, yeah. like a peephole at a hotel door. And then on top, they have, like, that big, huge bed. So it doesn't matter what size vehicle you're going at. Like, please, clean your things off. Fortunately, this driver, he was responsible to one of the box truck. He did circle back to the, yeah. the police, according to reports. He made sure everybody was okay. And he's like, look, I, I understand. I'm responsible. Uh, we know it trucks. Not all of you are given the right gear to clean those things off with. Um, so carriers out there, make sure your team has what they need, too, to keep the driving public safe. Right? 
Absolutely. That's our message. So here's some good news for you all. A very What the Truck holiday special is coming up Monday. That's right. It's going to be the most festive affair in freight. We're going to have music. We're going to have carols. We'll also have your favorite Freight Waves personalities. We're going to run through our top 10 favorite What the Trucks of the year. We may have some gifts to give out, right? Yeah. We'll hear from trucker Wayne Craig from the road. Awesome. Yeah, he's going to come in and say what drivers do over the holidays. All right. And, uh, you know, we're going to recap what has been a wildly unexpected year here in the freight world <laughs> no and at Freight Waves on this very show. We're going to have um, Craig Fuller on there as well. He'll be doing a sit-down interview with us. Emily Zink will be talking with us. And again, all of your favorite personalities for the shows have holiday greetings or songs or something. It's going to be a wild time. It's going to be a little fluffy. It's not going to be as news-oriented, so let us warn you. But if you want to have a lot of fun it's on Monday, be a good time. noon Eastern time, tune in for that one. We are very, very excited. we got sugar cookies running through our veins. Um, the bad news. The bad news. It's the last What the Truck of the Year. Oh. Asterisk. Asterisk. It's probably the last one we're going to keep in the replay. We do have one more What the Truck that we're going to be doing at the North American Supply Chain Summit, which we're hosting. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a great time, right? That is on Tuesday. It is. It's an all-day affair, 9 yeah. to 5 p.m. Last, uh, last act I'm going to do before I take off for Boston. So that'll be fun. I'll, i got to leave it all on the table. i got to pour it all out. I gotta pour it all out. I gotta empty my passion bucket all over the floor, <laughs> wow, and I'm gonna, gonna do it. But we're gonna talk some, two days, <laughs> dude. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk some great people. We got Shannon Courier, right? Mm-hmm. She's director of philanthropy at uh, St. Christopher's Truckers Relief Fund. It all comes full circle. She's one of the first charities we talked to this year, and so happy to have her in at the end of this year to see how things went. And I know they've done an incredible job on their goal. Uh, also, Frank Henney from Clio and uh, Drew McElroy from Transfix. He was just on this show about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah. That's, a, that's a heck of a lineup. That's a heck of a lineup. We also have, so we did this show about a year ago. I went out to Chicago with, um, with a few other guys that worked here. We went out to uh, Global Trans, and we did this show called Inside the Box. Or no, was it Echo? No, we went out to Echo. Echo. In Chicago. Yeah, yes, we went out to Echo. Echo in Chicago. We yeah. filmed the show called Inside the Box. They had this great office over there. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of like this hybrid of like a, a white-collar MTV Cribs kind of thing going on. Okay. Well, the thing is, people really liked it. But right. COVID-19 happened. So all these ones that we were supposed to film on location, it was like, well, we got to wait till the pandemic goes away. This thing has been lingering forever. So look, <laughs> it's just so, not going away. Like, you know what? We're just going to make some inside the boxes. And, you know, it's a virtual world. We've gotten so good at it with the virtual events. We figured out a way to uh, to get it done with Best Pass. And it's going to be a good time. I've already seen it with Andrew Cox. But we hope that you folks all enjoy it as well. Oh, that's tremendous. Our crack productions team. You know what we also done, right? Yeah, we know we also have there. We have another Q and I love those. We had one with Thomas Healy, right? We had one yes, with Mark Weiss in the gang, and now we're gonna have one with Gene Soroka from the Port. Oh, it's gonna be yeah, fun. that's gonna be a really good one. Yes, Can't so guys, wait to talk to him about if, that. If you have some questions, reach out to us. Hey, you want to contact me at Timothy Dooner? That is D O N E R on the uh, Twitter. Got him right here, Vincent the Dude on the Twitter. Peace and love. Yeah. Peace and love. Have a great weekend, man. And join us Monday, December 14, 12 p.m. Eastern time for a very what the truck holiday.